Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. It's Brendan Escott in with you today. You guys are bringing it at 780-496-0063. Talking about uh, Vegas's sort of lack of, of loyalty when it comes to their players. G says uh, signing with Vegas is a gamble. Uh, Warren says the, the Vegas Knights' new tagline is what happens in Vegas leaves Vegas. So you're starting to see the reputation in just a few, uh, few short years that this team is garnering for, for these, these player transactions. Actions, just walking away. We'll never let you walk away from a gift certificate to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal and occasion at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Also happening in the dart of downtown alongside Ruth's Chris. Uh, for the next week or so, anyway, the World Junior Hockey Championship. Canada already 2-0 after a couple of preliminary round games. For much more on this, we go to the hockey news. Stephen Ellis. Stephen, you're on with Brendan. Thanks for jumping aboard. How's it going today? I'm great. How are you doing? Excellent. Thank you. So are you in the city? Have you been in Alberta actually covering uh, this tournament here? I'm currently here watching Sweden versus Austria. I've been here since the uh, first game. I, I missed uh, the USA game, but otherwise I've been at everything so far. Anything taking you by surprise? And by that, I'm sort of hinting at the fact that typically this tournament is impossible to get tickets to. And boy, when I look at the screen, there's an awful lot of chairs open. Yeah, it's been pretty ugly. I know I posted a picture of uh, Austria versus Germany in the pre, or, you know, on the, their first game each. And uh, it was like 12 people in the crowd for a warm up. It was pretty bad. So. Uh, it's been pretty tough to kind of see that because, you know, for these players, it means a lot to get to this point. But uh, honestly, like, you know, the high ticket price is $50 for cheap seats. Uh, the fact it's in August, the fact that a lot of the best players are not here, and, of course, the hockey game, the scandal going on, it, it's a very tough sell for fans. And then those 12 o'clock starts are, are, are extremely rough. Yeah, it, it's a bit of a weird one timing-wise, especially decent weather, too. Like, I don't know how much time you've spent in Edmonton over the years, but if I was ever going to try and sell you, Stephen, on moving out here, from Ontario, I'd bring you out here around this time of year. So I would suggest that a lot of people are just trying to enjoy the outdoors. Oh, I used to live in Calgary, so I, I know all about Alberta weather way better than what we got in Toronto right now. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Wonderful. So, hey, a couple of examples now in the preliminary round of what Team Canada can do. Latvia, they've been known to be a pesky team. I'm sure I don't need to tell you over the years. They gave them a reasonable challenge in that opening night, and then uh, Slovakia maybe less so when we started to see the domination of Mason McTavish. What's been standing out uh, for you for the first couple games from the Canadians? Well, this is a team that I think defensively they still need a bit of work. They gave up a little bit too many high-danger chances against Slovakia early, and while well, the score was obviously very lopsided, at one point Slovakia was like within a couple shots away of, of having more shots than Canada. So, uh, But also, clearly the offense is working. I think the goaltending has been good, too. There was questions of who the starting goalie would be. Uh, Dylan Grant, I think, played really good last night. And, uh, of course, the Mason McTavish, Connor Bedard, Joshua Wall line looks good, and it seems like they, they've even made changes to that top line and put Brent Notman, who was a healthy scratch in game one, put him on the top line and it was working. So this is a team that everyone kind of expected to be one of the favorites to win gold. And even without guys like Shane Wright and Cole Perfetti and Dolan Power, it, it still looks like that would be the case. And I, I, I kind of thought Latvia would be the weaker opponent. This is the team that wasn't even supposed to be here unless uh, uh, because of Russia. 
but then that's why they got moved up. But uh, the Latvian team, they know each other very well. It's almost an identical roster that played together at the Division 1A tournament a few months ago when they uh, came second there. So that probably helped, but uh, I feel bad for Slovakia. They're missing their three best players and Slavkovsky, Nemec, and uh, who were all first round picks this year so that was really tough yeah i mean for for a team that accomplished so much the last go around and and really looked like you know they were taking a stride in the right direction to not have their three best players now i I guess everybody in the tournament can say that more or less but it means a lot more when slovakia loses their three top versus when canada and their depth but let's talk about that depth here with steven ellis from the hockey news and and you mentioned joshua raw uh you you mentioned brendan othman these are guys that were not part of the team back in December, and yet they're elevated up to the first line. I think a lot of people would have success playing with Mason McTavish and, and Connor Bedard, but there's a lot of people who wouldn't be able to keep up with that pace as well. So uh, maybe a thought on the two guys that have that have sort of climbed up there and played with the two top ones. Well, yeah, I thought um, they, I know they didn't televise the first exhibition game, Canada Sweden, but I thought Joshua Ball played really well in that game. And then I wasn't honestly a huge fan of him the the, the next two nights. And then uh, I'd say maybe the the last uh, last night against uh, Slovakia kind of picked it up near the end. But uh, they they took him off the top line to put Brendan Ottman there for a few shifts to see what he could do there. And Ottman's a fantastic player. Um, I know Shane Wright obviously was a superstar prospect for many years, but his like, go-to wingman uh, in his in minor hockey days was Brennan Ottman, and those two guys made each other so much better. So while Ottman maybe is a bit more of a physical player than kind of a skilled guy, he knows how to play with top-quality talent. And I thought when they put him up there, I was surprised he was scratched for the first game, but then the second game they moved him up from the fourth line to the top line for the second half. I thought he looked really good. Let me ask you then about a couple of the other physical players on this team. Ridley Gregg, Zach Ostopchuk, who's no stranger around these parts. A couple of guys that can get under the opponent's skin. You wonder how valuable that is on an international stage where the whistles can come out more quickly, but it does seem that Canada's got a bit of a a physical deep uh, predisposition, rather, Stephen, this year. For sure, uh, and that's something that's, I think even like the Americans kind of did something on that too, where they left off some pretty good skill guys to bring in a bit more strength. And I think if for Canada, it's working so well. Really, Greg. Uh, I, you know, I wasn't sold on him as a prospect when he got drafted, but he's become quickly one of my favorite prospects for a guy who's got so much talent, good speed, that awesome one-handed goal he scored against Latvia was really cool. He's getting in everyone's heads. He's playing physical. Stop Chuck, a guy that I hadn't seen a whole lot of in the last couple of years, and I thought he's been playing really good. Maybe we've been one of the more underrated players on this team. And, uh, you know, I, I mentioned the defense, maybe not the hardest blue line to play against, but I thought Donovan Sabrango, for example, has been pretty tough to play against. So uh, they're a stronger, more physical team. We saw Connor Bedard getting in. He's, what, five foot zero? He's very small. He was out there going and getting physical. So it was kind of cool to see this team kind of adapt to the more physical presence. So we do see that when they play on the the NHL ice because it's smaller. You can play a bit more physical, and it seems like Canada is thriving in that play too. Toward the end of the first period yesterday, it looked like they were the Slovakians were trying to drag Bedard into the, the muck and the mud, and he did a really good job of just taking it on the chin and moving on. But, you know, I, I think it's probably a good thing for Canada to have a little bit of meat on the bone when you're watching teams already at this stage of the tournament taking liberties against the likes of a Connor Bedard. For sure. And everyone knows how good of a player he is. And, you know, it's pretty rare to see a guy his age play such an important role. When he was named to the team originally for December, I wasn't sure he was going to play a whole lot. And obviously he goes out and gets four goals against Austria. And it's like, well, never mind. 
Um, but he's been so fantastic to watch. Obviously, a great year in the WHL, and uh, he's he's only going to get better as he chases the first overall pick spot. And uh, you know, he hasn't exploded offensively yet, but he's been one of the best players in the tournament. And uh, that play to set up that first goal of Mason McTavish yesterday was stunning. It was. I wanted to ask you next about that. Their 1-2 game together, it looks like they've been playing together on the same team for years, for example, like Othman did but uh, with Wright. But but they haven't, right? They've been Hockey Canada teammates, and I think that you just see the hockey IQ and the high-end skill of McTavish and Bedard just working off of each other in a situ- situation like that. Yeah, but Dark can play it to just about anyone, and that makes, that's what makes him so good. And Mason McTavish, he had to adjust playing with a lot of different people last year. He played on multiple OHL teams. He's in the Memorial Cup, the Olympics, World Juniors. This guy played pretty much everything he could last year, NHL, AHL. And I think that really kind of helped him adjust to the playing of many different players. Then you throw in a guy like Connor Bedard, who is a special talent, who is going to be a superstar in the NHL. Having those two guys together, it was a no-brainer. And McTavish looks like a cheat code out there because not only does he look like he's like five years older than everybody out there, but he's physically mature, he's so smart, and he's got the skill that he probably could have seen more time in the NHL last year. I'm, I'm happy that the Ducks didn't necessarily keep him there, give him the opportunity to do all these other things. But this is a guy who's going to be in the NHL pretty shortly, and uh, I think people are going to be really excited to see what he could do. Chatting with Stephen Ellis from the Hockey News. Kent Johnson on the team as well. He's got the unique distinction of having scored in the Men's World Championship, the World Juniors, and the Olympics all in the same year. He is unbelievably talented, but so far just the one assist in a couple of games. What are you seeing out of Kent Johnson? That, that's surprising, and it feels like he's got like four or five points at this point because he's he's been doing so much. But yeah, no, it, it, I, I'm still very pleased with his play. Sure, he hasn't necessarily got a ton of points, but it's just, if you look at that, it was it was kind of like top line dominating the show yesterday as it was, and you didn't need the other lines to be as good as, as they needed to be. So uh, I, I think Ken Johnson's still going to be a really good player. The Blue Jackets have a pretty promising young prospect system, and then throw him in potentially playing with guys like Line A and, and Jojo very quickly. Uh, I think that's pretty exciting for Blue Jackets fans, and there's a lot of different um, Blue Jackets players to watch, but I think the way Ken Johnson's playing – it's a matter of time before he kind of explodes offensively. And he's going to be a very key player. He was someone who wasn't getting a ton of ice time at the Olympics, but when he played, he was good. And I think that's something where it's going to come. Even if it's not, even if it's not to the medal round, I think he's going to have an explosion offensively at some point. Yeah, I've got to believe that his presence in Columbus's system was a big part of the reason that Goudreau decided that that was a fit for him or could be a fit for him, him and, uh, and Cole Sillinger there as well. Uh, Olin Zellweger, also from around here, Fort Saskatchewan, Alberta product, quarterbacking the power play. Uh, this is a player who is certainly known more as a puck mover than a maybe a play stopper, but have you liked what you've seen out of Olin Zellweger? of the Everett Silver Tips. It seems like anytime the offense is doing something well, Zellweger was a reason why that play began in the first place. So he's been uh, very important for this team. Obviously not having Owen Power there meant some guys were going to be elevated roles. And I think Zellweger looks really good, as has uh, Lucas Cormier. Uh, to me, he's probably been uh, probably been the most consistent defenseman uh, in terms of the offensive attack. And when I say that the the defense needs a bit of work. He's someone where he, you know, maybe, like you said, he's not necessarily a play stopper, and there'd be a few times I wish he was a bit more aggressive in front of the net to kind of get guys out of the way, but uh, this is a guy that's kind of really, for me, risen up the radar so much in the last couple of years, and I think he's going to be a very good player moving forward, and this tournament, he's really showing off what he's capable of. 
Just a couple more here for Stephen Ellis from the Hockey News talking about the World Junior Tournament at Rogers Place. Up next, it is Czechia tomorrow. Um, expectations of that game for Canada here coming off a couple big wins? I think that's going to be a very tough challenge for them. Uh, Czechia, they did lose the last game against Finland, but they, they lost in shootout. It was a very close game. Um, Czechia's been kind of flawed a little bit. Their goaltending hasn't been great. Jan Bednar, who is supposed to be one of the better goalies this tournament, hasn't played like that yet. Um, but they've got the offense. The, the defense is tough to play against, especially David Yerichek, another Blue Jackets prospect. Um, so I, I do think that this is a group that will give Canada a nice challenge before they play Finland. I, I do think Canada should win this game, but I don't think it's going to be 5-2, 6-2. I think it's going to probably be closer to 3-1, 4-1. And Jackie always plays a tough game against against Canada. We know that, and we know what they're capable of. And this is a group that, to me, if they, they get a third place in this tournament, it wouldn't surprise me. I just don't think they're going to end up pulling off against Canada. Anybody else maybe not playing for Team Canada that's sort of caught your eye thus far or that you're looking for something big out of as the tournament goes on? Well, the one player that's looked really good so far uh, for Sweden, Simon Edmondson, he scored the first goal tonight against Austria. He is so physically demanding. He's got a good shot. Uh, he's going to be a star player in Detroit one day, so I'm really kind of liking what he's been able to do. Uh, Luke Hughes, to me, might be the best player in this tournament, the defenseman. You know, this is a guy that was just a, a superstar in the NCAA last year and looks really good at the Men's World Championship, which I know the tournament doesn't get a lot of love here, but if you could play well at a young age there, that, that's big. Um, and then I've also been a big fan so far of Logan Cooley's play. He's been banged up a little bit. He was hurt in, in camp. He, I believe he was hurt also in Arizona's development camp, and then he took a big hit yesterday. But he's someone just every time he's on the ice, he's making the Americans look better. But, uh, yeah, I'd say kind of those are the ones that I'm looking at. And finally, Sweden presenting the biggest challenge, you would suggest, between Canada and a gold medal? I don't know. I'm, I think, to me, it's... At first, I was saying Canada, Sweden would be the finals, but it's like the way the Americans are playing, that's tough. And Sweden has not been perfect by any means. They've they've kind of almost struggled a little bit in these games here where, uh, you know, they've come off the wins, but have, have they been great? Not necessarily. So uh, I, I do think that uh, Sweden should kind of catch up here and play better. I think they got a good defensive system, and Jesper Wallstead's one of the best goalies. But right now, I'm looking Canada-USA as a potential final. Great stuff, Stephen. Where do people find your work? Uh, I'll be uh, I'm tweeting everything from uh, my Twitter, uh, Stephen Ellis THN, and I'll be writing uh, articles every single day of the tournament at uh, thehockeynews.com. Great stuff. Thanks for joining today. Enjoy the rest of the tournament. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Stephen Ellis from the Hockey News out of Ontario, hanging out in our province for a little bit here, while Canada has an off day against Sweden and uh, Austria in an intermission right now. And yeah, Simon Ed- Edvinson, kind of looking like a man among boys. Sweden has occasionally produced those on the back end, haven't they? Nick Lidstrom, for example. Maybe if Oilers fans are lucky, Philip Broberg. How about Borja Salming? We'll talk about his life and legacy a little bit with Mark Spector after the 1 o'clock news. Reminder that the Oilers Now Injury Report is brought to you all season long by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. It's 1247 in Edmonton. Brendan Escaw with you. More of your texts at 780-496-0063 when we return on Oilers Now. 
12.50 now in the Capital Region. It's Brendan Escott with you. Bob away at the Gary Drager uh, Memorial Golf Classic out at the Lynx in Spruce Grove. Reed Wilkins hanging out there as well. A couple Lucky Ched listeners golfing with that uh, that duo. <laughs> can only imagine the fun they're having out there on the course. Probably not as much fun as you and I are having here on the show today. We just heard plenty on Team Canada and the World Juniors from Stephen Ellis from the Hockey News. Uh, Canada, again, they're off today and uh, will take on Czechia Saturday, Finland Monday. And that should close out the preliminary round. After that, we'll see on Wednesday of next week what, uh, what the post... Probably the quali- the uh, quarterfinal, sorry, is the word that I'm looking for. Canada likely to qualify at this point. They've got two wins. Leading Group A, it is, it's weird timing. And, you know, it's, it's tough to have people coming out for the event. And, and it's just a building full of empty seats. And uh, I don't know that there's a whole lot anybody could have done about that right now. I don't necessarily believe that it has a lot to do with the players that aren't there. Like, would you have been more inclined to buy a ticket if Jake Neighbors and Caden Gooley were suiting up for Team Canada? Probably not. I would suggest that it's just a weird time to be trying to sink your teeth into world junior hockey action. It is synonymous at this point, if you're a Canadian, to have that tournament going on over the holiday season. You know, there's there's the anticipation of Christmas, but very often alongside that is the anticipation for the World Junior Tournament, especially when you're growing up a young hockey player. You know, so to have that going on right now when the young hockey players are enjoying one of very few weeks off, if that's even the case, that's that's a pretty tough sell. You know, we're talking about a sport that's essentially year-round these days, and if we're at any part of the year where you can actually exhale a little bit, we're, it's probably right now. So um, maybe not the best time to showcase what's going on, but I don't know that that's a direct byproduct of, say, the players that aren't here or what's going on. The texture says it has everything to do with the pricing. I'm not paying $49 to watch B-level junior hockey. Canada games are still at about 100 bucks a ticket. All comes down to the price. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that feel that way. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that would pay a lot of money to watch Canada, and, and maybe they're just out of town this weekend, right? Like, the demand, to me, it's always going to be there to watch this team and these kids but probably not on August 20 or, or 12th, I guess. <laughs> Simply not. Dan is wondering whether there's any relation between Mason McTavish and Craig McTavish. No, there is not. I don't think they play anything like each other either. McTavish is kind of like a, he's stocky. He's deceptively like six feet, but he's stocky. He's built very thick is Mason McTavish. But he, uh, he's he got vision. He plays the game a little bit differently than what I would classify as a power forward, and yet you can't knock him off the puck. So this is him at, at 19 and 20 years old. Imagine him at 23 with a couple years of pro experience. He's going to be a problem in Anaheim. With him, with Trevor Zegras there, Pacific Division is going to be a fun one to watch for for years to come. And guess what? Your Edmonton Oilers at this point are pretty well the headline act. Would you not agree? Calgary is not. 
they might have been last year. You could have made that case. Vegas, you certainly could have made the case going into last year. Vegas is going to be an interesting sideshow this year, but I'm not picking them at this point to win the Pacific Division. There's not a chance. So Anaheim already surprised some people last year, but that was that was quickly... Not snuffed out, but it didn't last the whole season. You and I both know that, and now we're wondering whether John Gibson even wants to be there in the long term. John Gibson, an option for Vegas. Could you see that? Six and a half million dollar cap hit for the next few years. Crazier stuff's happened. Crazier stuff has happened in Vegas with this hockey team not that long ago. So... <laughs> Don't rule it out, but probably a more likely scenario, assuming they're not just going to roll with Laurent Brassois and Logan Thompson, and they would be rolling to probably seventh in the division if they did that. Uh, I, I would see a Jake Allen there. I can see a James Reimer there for sure. I think that they'll plug a stopgap in at the very least. But uh, I mean, man, it, it's gotten interesting in the Pacific Division. We'll see if Connor Bedard ends up in the Pacific Division at any point in, in his career. I guess you're probably picking Arizona as the most likely team to land his services. They're in the Central now, right? I think, yeah. Uh, Connor Bedard, by the way, 70 goals and 129 points in his last 77 games. 70 goals, 129 points in his last 77 games spread across the Western Hockey League, the U18 Championship, and the U20 Tournament. This is uh, per Cam Robinson on Twitter. Bedard just turned 17 years old three weeks ago. He has 70 goals in 77 games. There's no need to compare him to Connor McDavid. There isn't. But as far as... Watching somebody who is clearly a cut above, clearly a cut above in his ability to process the game, put the puck on the stick of his teammates, snap the puck off of his own stick, pass the goaltender, change the shooting lane and angle. Connor Bedard is, is the next generational talent. Keith, we've got a couple minutes for you here for round out hour number one. You're on the air with Brendan. What's going on today? Hey, man. Uh, I used to work at the Windy, and I've seen Bob golf, and my advice to him would be to sell his clubs. <laughs> so uh, I appreciate yeah, it, Keith. Take it from there, okay? Yeah, uh, right, thanks, yeah. Keith. Well, uh, enjoy. yeah. Keith saying uh, with evidence that Bob is not a golfer. I think Bob would be one of the first people to tell you that he's not a golfer. I once heard uh, a saying that somebody looked like an octopus falling out of a tree while trying to swing a golf club. An octopus falling out of a tree. I've never seen Bob golf. I won't go that far. But based on what he's kind of insinuated, maybe we'd be onto something there. 12.57 in Edmonton. Mark Spector, he's got his own golf tournament and probably has some insight into Bob's golf game. We'll check in with him after a global news weather traffic update with Kevin Robertson.